Where is a man who gives up ambition? Worldly desires are all set aside. Where is a man, though lonely be serving? His satisfied only in him to abide. Well, welcome to this next episode of Rend the Heavens Lorcom Down podcast. Um, a bit of a delay in doing the next podcast, and I'll tell you about that maybe um, this coming Friday's podcast, as aware, okay? Um, so we're continuing a series on men of God, and so far we've looked at Moses and the Apostle Paul. And this week we're going to look at Daniel, one of my favourite characters in the Bible. So... We'll start off in Daniel chapter 1 and really we're actually mostly going to stay in the book of Daniel as we look at his character because mostly that's where we get all the details although he is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel as well and other places. Um, so Daniel chapter 1 um, and the setting here is that um, Daniel is brought to um, Babylon with his three friends in about 605 BC and what happened to the people of Judah was there were three, three raids by the Babylonians on Judah. The first raid was in 605 BC, the second one was in 597 BC, and then the last one, the third one, was 586 BC, when Jerusalem and the temple was totally destroyed. But in 605 BC, Daniel is taken to Babylon captive with his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So just to give you the context there, okay? So let's start reading chapter one here and make some comments as we go along. And let's see uh, why Daniel was called a, a man of God. It says here in verse 1 of chapter 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, <clears throat> came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, on Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So we see a raid here, in 605 BC, the first raid by Babylonians on Jerusalem and Judea, and um, they take a lot of the uh, vessels that belong to the temple that Solomon had built. A very sad time, as it were. Anyway, verse 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, or children, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favoured, and skilful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and when they and whom they might teach their learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So the king wants the best of the best um, of the prisoners um, from Judah to basically work for him in his palace, more, more or less as slaves as it were. But he wants the best of these guys, okay? Uh, guys who are very smart, very intelligent uh, and wise. Verse 5 of verse chapter 1 of Daniel. And the king appointed him a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them um, those ye, uh, three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were, uh, were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave to Daniel the name of 
Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. So what the Babylonians did when they took people to captivity from other countries like Judah, they would take them to Babylon and give them a total new identity um, in, in culture, in language, in everything. And even give them new names, names according to Babylonian gods. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, therefore, uh, which he, uh, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this is interesting here, and this is a little topic that I, I have to hit on about alcohol drinking, which is becoming very common among the modern Christian church. Daniel and his friends would not drink of the wine nor of the meat or the food because the meat, first of all, was prohibited um, in, um, according to Levitical laws. But he didn't want to drink the wine either, okay? And the Bible has a lot to say about wine, alcohol wine, and also strong drink. And it's mostly in a negative sight. But as I say, today, um, we now have a Christian culture um, that says it's okay to drink alcohol socially, um, or whatever and um, this is very new compared to times past in the church um, for example when you look at revivals of the past um, one of the things that would happen was pubs would close down of lack of business because everybody was leaving their former lives of drinking um, and they, uh, when they became Christians because they felt it wasn't holy as they gave their lives to Christ and the pubs would close down from lack of business for example in the 1859 revival in Ulster a whiskey distillery that produced over 1 million gallons of whiskey uh, every year closed down because of the revival in Ulster of Northern Ireland. Wow. This is typical. You read about the revival in Wales, 1904, for example, pubs closing down. Absolutely amazing. But today, Christians, a lot more Christians and Christian leaders saying it's okay to drink uh, alcohol. Well, let's see what the Bible says about some of these things, about alcohol. Um, the Bible in the King James calls a strong drink or wine. And in the context, we can know of talking about alcohol wine. For example, the priest, the, the Levitical priests were told, um, taught this in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 9. Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. <clears throat> it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So the priests were not allowed to drink wine or strong drink. And like I've said to many people, when you look at the Bible, alcohol and holiness do not go together. The priests were meant to be holy servants of God in the temple and they were not allowed to drink wine nor strong drink. Then in Leviticus chapter 6, we have um, a teaching about the, um, the Nazarites and when someone took a Nazarite vow and it's a vow that somebody took that they would be wholly consecrated to the Lord and while they made this vow and the Nazarite vow, there were certain things they were not allowed to do and guess what one of them was? No wine or strong drink. In Numbers chapter 6 verse 3 it says, um, the, talk about the, the man who takes his Nazarite vow he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor or grapes nor eat mice grapes or dried. So again, uh, if you took the Nazarite vow, which is basically a life of holiness to God and you could take it for a few months or for the whole of your life. But while you took that Nazarite vow, um, one of the things was you were not allowed um, to drink wine or strong drink. That's very, very clear. 
Um, then it says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 6, and Moses is talking here to the people of Israel, You have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. Again, the context here is of obedience and holiness to the Lord, okay? Um, Judges chapter 13, verse 4, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. So wine and strong drink, Wine, alcohol, wine, and strong drink, which is alcohol drink, is um, compared with it being unclean. Judges chapter 13, this is Samson's mother, who's told she's going to have a son. And the, God, or the angel, says unto her, But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, to the day of his death. So, um, um, Samson's uh, mother, before Samson was born, she was told, drink no wine or strong drink. This child's going to be a Nazarite. He'll be the same. He won't be able to drink wine or strong drink either till the day that he dies. Absolutely amazing. Um, and let me see here. Let's move on to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Just, just doing a quick survey. There's a lot more I could talk about. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It doesn't say drink a lot of wine is a mocker, or drink a lot of strong drink is raging. It just says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Well, there's a lot of unwise Christians today because they think it's okay to drink wine and strong drink, uh, which God says is a mocker and is raging, and you're deceived if you drink this stuff, okay? Proverbs 31 verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Don't do it. Not for kings, not for princes, not for royalty. Don't do it. No wine, nor strong drink. Um, let me see here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. There's a woe pronounced here by Isaiah to the people of Jude. In fact, I think he does f pronounces five woes, and a lot of them has got to do with wine or strong drinking. Woe to them that rise up early in the morning, that may follow strong drink, that continue all night, till wine inflame them. There's a woe pronounced here. Isaiah chapter 5 again, verse 22. Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Again, a woe about drinking wine and even men of strength. Don't drink strong drink, men of strength. It will weaken you. And then look at this one. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 7. Talking about the people of God, the people of Judah. But they have also erred through wine and through strong drink. Sorry, let me read that again. But they have also erred through wine, and true strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred, listen to this, how have they erred? Through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgments because of wine and strong drink. That includes the priests and the prophets. They have erred. They are gone out of the way by drinking wine and strong drink. Wine, a strong drink, folks, destroys lives. It destroys Christians. It destroys men of God. Stay away from it. Let me see. Can I give any more examples before I finish up here? Um, let me see here. 
No, I think I'll just leave it at that for the moment. The point was, Daniel wouldn't drink this wine, nor his three friends, because this was about holiness. Even though they're living in a different culture, a culture just like Ireland, that, you know, um, you can enjoy all the pleasures of sin, Daniel would not do it. He purposed in his heart that he would not do it, and his three friends, which kind of got, got, got him into a lot of trouble. Now, it says in verse 9 of chapter 1, now God had brought Daniel into favour and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who had appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse like him than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger um, my head to the king. So the prince of the eunuchs here, who's look after Daniel, who's to feed him and give him this drink, wine and this meat, I'm in danger, Daniel, if you don't take this stuff, you know. Then Daniel said to Melzer, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel said, Prove or test thy servant, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse or beans or vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances, which means our appearances, our faces, be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion um, of the king's meat. And as thou seest, <coughs> sorry, deal with thy servant. So, a bit of a contest here. But Daniel is um, telling this man, Melzer, who works for the Prince of the Eunuchs, give, it, give her 10 days, we'll eat just these vegetables, these beans, um, these pulses, and let everybody else eat, have their meat and their, stro- and their, and their wine. And see then, compare us then after 10 days. Just give us 10 days and, and see what happens. Now, folks, you know, People who are vegetarians, and by the way, this is not about teaching about vegetarians. There's nothing wrong with eating uh, meat. Certainly, um, this day and age, we can eat any meat now. The Israelites were not allowed to eat certain meat, like, say, pig meat, for example, right? Um, this is not about being a vegetarian, but it's about not eating meat that God had forbidden and drinking alcohol, wine, okay? So, normally people who eat meat only, or, or vegetarians, sorry, they tend to look, I think, in the face a bit more gaunt looking, a bit more sunken cheeks, not as fat looking as meat eaters, right? Uh, that tends to be the way. And so, uh, but Daniel is saying, give her 10 days, we'll eat only vegetables, they, they'll eat the rest and see what how it looks. So, males are consented to them in this matter and prove them or test them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it says, uh, Daniel and his three friends talking about, their countenance or their faces appeared fairer better looking and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Wow. That's not natural, but that was God. God honoured Daniel and his three friends. Thus Melzer took away the portion of their meat and the wine um, that they should drink and gave them pulse. They didn't have to do it again after this, even after this 10 days of test. He, uh, God honoured Daniel and his three friends for taking this righteous holy stand in the midst of a pagan nation so can you so can i it depends on our hearts i haven't been near drink or alcohol and um, for a long time now and i do not miss it whatsoever i have seen so much problems with alcohol drinking alcohol whether it's wine or strong drink um and by the way today's wine compared to wine alcohol wine in bible times is actually strong drink back then they used to water down um, the, the alcohol wine with water um, that's not the case today so I believe t- today's wine is actually strong drink but Daniel and his friends purpose in the heart they would not do it 
So here they're in a foreign country. They could have got away with this. <clears throat> They'd be under no Jewish law, but they wouldn't do it because they purpose in the heart. They want to please God. Do you want to please God in these last days when the church is falling apart, when it's becoming more and more worldly like the world? Or do you want to be a holy man of God that God can use? And keep away from strong drink and wine. Again, holiness and strong drink and wine do not go together. Believe me, they do not go together. I just showed you some examples from the Bible and history tells us too as well. By the way, one time I did a bit of research on this and um, uh, the statistics show that um, at least in one year, a couple of years ago I looked at this, that over half a million beds every year in Ireland are taken up by alcohol-related incidents. Either directly because of alcohol or indirectly because of alcohol-related incidents. And they say there's a lack of beds every year. Well, get rid of alcohol and you might see a big difference there, okay? Anyway, verse 17 of chapter 1. And as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Well, that's going to come in very handy later, isn't it? When Nebuchadnezzar has a, a dream. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Now notice, by the way, Daniel and his three friends, these are their um, Hebrew names. Um, just to give you a bit of insight, in Daniel chapter 1, um, it's actually translated from Hebrew. It's a Hebrew text, the original text, right? Um, in Daniel chapter 2 to 7, it's actually in Aramaic. All right, in, in Aramaic, because he's dealing with the Gentile nations. And then from Daniel chapter 8 to chapter 12, it goes back to Hebrew again, as God gives Daniel about visions and dreams about the last days, about the Antichrist, the tribulation, and the reign of Christ. Just thought you might find that interesting. That's why still chapter 1 gives him these Hebrew names. So, um, in, in verse 26, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king acquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So, though they're not eating the king's meat and wine, these men look better. The king accepts them. Um, but because of the wisdom and knowledge that God has given Daniel's three friends, he's honoured them because they honoured him. Um, these are better than everybody else. And it says, Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So that's chapter one. Again, we're looking at Daniel, the man of God. He pubbers in his heart. He would not defile himself. He would not sin against God by drinking wine and uh, forbidden meat as it were and I believe God honoured him for that okay now we know in the next cha cha chapter 3 then um, Daniel's friends are fate faced a fiery furnace they refuse to bow down um, to um, worship the statue that Nebuchadnezzar has um, which means they're going to be thrown into the, in, into the, the fiery furnace um, and uh, just a quickie look at the, uh, the attitude of his three friends we're not really going to do this for long because I'm looking at Daniel and they're told they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And if the three friends say, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, let it be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What godly men, friends, that Daniel had. This could cost them their lives. They didn't know what God was going to do and that the Lord Jesus would be in the fiery furnace with them. But they were willing to die. And so many God's people have been martyred, haven't they? Um, and some were willing to be martyred, but God delivered them. And in this case, he did deliver them. 
But they they said, look, even if we die, even if we burn the fiery furnace, King, we are not bowing down to your, uh, your idolatry. We're not going to bow down to you. We are not going to do it. We're not going to bow down to you. So I think that is, um, I think that's amazing. Uh, the friends that Daniel had. So let's move on to then to the next king that Daniel serves under is Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, which we see in chapter 5 of Daniel. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded him to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, um, his wives and concubines, might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and the king and his princess, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron, of wood and stone. So here, Belshazzar, this wicked king, is taking the vessels, the cups, um, that were made of gold and brass and all that from, that was taken from Solomon's temple when the Babylonians uh, raided the last raid in 586 BC by Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's father. Belshazzar is defiling them by drinking out of them with actually wine, alcohol, wine, and they're having a great party about this. So as we know then, the handwriting comes on the wall uh, telling Belshazzar, interpreted by Dino, that his days are numbered um, um, as Daniel interprets what the writing on the wall says. And so the king wants to honour Daniel for telling this because nobody else, none of the other wise men could tell Belshazzar what the writing on the wall said. So, as I say, Belshazzar wants to reward Daniel. And verse 29 of chapter 5 it says, Then commanded Belshazzar and they um, clothed Daniel with scarlet um, and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, I actually made a bit of a mistake there um, because... Um, I wanted to actually, that, that's what how he rewarded him. But earlier on here, let me just go back to uh, a bit earlier in chapter 5 here. Um, the king offered him great, uh, great, um, great um, rewards. And Daniel says in, in verse 17 of chapter 5, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel was offered financial reward here and a great promotion, but Daniel refused to take that. That's another sign of a man of God. He cannot be bribed by rewards or money or by any kind of intimidation. Daniel was one of those men. A man of God will not be bribed by anything, not even by flattery, um, to serve God. So Daniel says, I'll let you know the mean, I'll give you the interpretation, but you keep your words to yourself. Now, Daniel was rewarded anyway but Daniel, uh, by the king, but he didn't want to. And then it says, In that night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and ten, or sorry, two years old. Okay, So Daniel actually was a prophet all through um, the reign um, of Babylon, of, um, and then he was also through um of the drain of Darius and Cyrus. So the new kingdom has taken over the Mede and the Persians. So the very night that Daniel interprets the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar is killed. Judged by God because of his wickedness in taking the holy vessels of God and basically having a big party out of it. Again, alcohol and holiness do not go together. It just never does. And I think if anybody is honest, you know that, okay?
So let's go to now Daniel chapter 6 as Daniel now serves under uh, Darius, um, the new king of the Mede and the Persian Empire. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now if you read the book of Esther, um, it tells us that uh, the Mede and the Persian Empire had 120 provinces, right, 20 areas, just like Ireland has four provinces. We have Ulster, Leinster, uh, Connacht and Munster. Well, uh, the Mede and Persian Empire had 120 provinces, 120 areas like that. And over these, and over these provinces, three presidents, of whom Daniel was forced, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage or loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. This is amazing. You have to remember, Daniel is a slave from um, Israel. And from being a slave in Israel, he comes to serve the king, Nebuchadnezzar, when he was younger, when he was only a teenager probably. He's now in his 60s or something like that at this stage. He's a much older man. Um, he goes from being a slave to being uh, not only one of um, Darius' uh, presidents, that's over 120 princes, but he's preferred above the other two presidents who were over the 120 provinces or 120 princes. Um, in fact, that the king even said it set him over the whole realm of the Media Persian Empire, basically just under Darius himself. This is incredible. And folks, God could do that today. And we desperately need this, that God could raise up a man of God into a position of influence um, in politics, in the media, in the sports, out there that everybody knows about. We desperately need such a man to be raised up, that um, a man of God, a prophet that the nation will hear, will listen to. But this is what happened with Daniel. He's going to be in a great place of influence. Becomes a powerful man in a, in a foreign empire. Absolutely amazing. But that's what God does, doesn't he? But these other presidents and princes don't like Daniel. Why? Because Daniel is a godly man. But also because of jealousy and um, self-exalting, I guess. Verse chapter 4. Then the presidents and princes sought up, sought. Uh, to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Isn't that amazing? They couldn't find any corruption in Daniel whatsoever. N- nothing. Um, but then it says next verse, Then said these men, we shall, not find f- we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Well, they were certainly right about that. They couldn't see any corruption in him, you know, in anything um, as, as, as a president under the king. Nothing at all, though hard as they try. But he said, we can get him concerning his servant, his God. And they certainly were right there, weren't they? You know, somebody once um, posed a question, or this question I could pose to you, and we could certainly be posed to me, that if you were brought to court and accused of being a Christian, would there be any evidence to convict you? Which is coming very soon at a city near you, and this, in, even in Ireland, in the Western world, the way things are going. If you were brought to court before a judge, and you're accused of being a Christian, and the punishment could be death or whatever it was, would there be any evidence to, con- to convince the judge that you are a Christian? Well, Daniel, the answer would be yes. 
Daniel was not a private Christian. He was a very public Christian. He wasn't one that watered down the message. You know, even that writing on the wall that God gave to Belshazzar, the right basically said that Belshazzar was going to die. He was going to be finished. That wasn't an easy message, but that was the meaning. And Daniel told him. And yet Daniel was still rewarded. Okay? Um, Daniel has been promoted to this position, even though he's a believer, because he's a man that, that Darius can trust. He's a man that has wisdom, even though Darius himself is not a believer. But these presidents, these other two presidents hate Daniel. They're jealous of him. But they say, we can get him concerned the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes, that's 120 princes, by the way, assembled together to the king and said thus unto the king, or say, said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counsellors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree or mandate that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast in the den of lions. Now a king established a decree or mandate and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altered not. So, it's very simple what, what they're requesting here. Let's have a 30-day trial here, a king, where nobody prays to any other God except you. And if they pray to any other God except you, even if it's me, the Persian gods, they are to be thrown into the lion's den. Wherefore King Darius, verse 9 of chapter 6, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree or mandate. Notice I keep using the word mandate because we have mandates written or being given today all around the world and it's getting worse and worse. And the mandate is going to come soon in Ireland that everybody's be vaccinated or you'll be fined or in prison or quarantined in place in camps just like it's happened in Australia. Mandate after mandate after mandate and of course the church leaders are silent once again. Check out my uh, podcast um, earlier called COVID and the Silent Church and I may be doing a second part of that this Friday. Mandates, mandates, mandates. Well, there are decrees, there are laws their punishments, whatever they call it. So the king here has signed this decree or mandate that if anybody prays to any other god in the next 30 days except to King Darius, that man will be thrown into the lion's den. Very clear. Now let's look at the next verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when this mandate or law was signed, he knew about it. Right? He knew. Okay? He went into his house and his windows being Open in the chamber. Open. Not closed. No curtains closed over. No secret Christianity here. Opened his windows in the chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime or was his custom. Daniel didn't just start praying three times a day because of this new law, this decree, this mandate. This was what Daniel did all the time. Three times a day, pray towards Jerusalem, toward his God, because that's where he would get his power and his strength and his wisdom from. And he knew about his decree, he knew about his mandate, which could cost him his life. He still prayed three times a day with open windows. No secret Christianity. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They seen him. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree or a mandate that every man 
that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the, the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altered not. So the, the, the Medes and the Persian kingdom, when the king designed a law, a decree, it could not be changed or reversed, even by the king himself. Did you know that? So this law that the, the king assigned cannot be changed. If you pray to any other god within 30 days, you will be thrown to the lion's end if you are found out. And it can't be changed. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regarded not thee, O king, nor the decree or mandate that thou hast signed, but make it his petition three times a day. Now, they, they see this was a trap by these men and no doubt they knew that the king liked Daniel but they didn't say anything about any names until now. They tricked the king and here's the king's reaction. Then the king when he heard these words was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and he laboured till the going down of the sun to deliver him to somehow get him, get him off this. He, you know, he just kept thinking about it. There must be some way out of this. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the, said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is, that no decree, no mandate, nor statute which the king establish it may be changed. Well, they're absolutely right. King, uh, can we just gently remind you, this law can't be changed. You sign the decree that anybody prays to anybody else except you um, should be thrown to lion's den. And they know they've got the king. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now he's an unbeliever, and um, he obviously knows Daniel's life. And again, Daniel wasn't secret about his belief, his, who he, the, the, his belief in the one true God. And the king obviously knew about that, and the king could see it in his life. And what confidence the king had here. So he must have been still a bit afraid that your God, will, who you serve continually, he will deliver you. Wow. Your testimony is so important. We represent God Almighty. And I don't know about you, but my life, my life, I think a lot of times make God look very weak and distant to my own family, to everybody else, especially the lost. That's not good. But that's okay to, if that's true, because that means you can cry out to God to make you like a man like Daniel, that people would know that you served the one and true and living God no matter what the cost. Then the king went to his palace and passed, um, sorry, verse 17, um, and the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. You didn't break that seal without the king's permission, or it would be death for yourself. So this seals Daniel's fate as it were. He cannot get out. Nobody can take him out. Then the king went to his palace, and passed night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and to sleep went from him. It's just how much the king loved Daniel. You know, that he couldn't get asleep. He wondered, would Daniel be still alive? Would, would his God deliver him? He talks so much about the greatness of his God. No doubt Daniel shared about what happened in Egypt with the ten plagues and the cross of the Red Sea on dry land, things like that. And the king would have been fascinated hearing all this, realising our gods can't do any of that kind of stuff. 
And of course, he liked Daniel not just because of his stories, but because of who Daniel was, a man he could trust with so much that he wanted to make him, make him next in command. And here he is in the lion's den. And normally these lions would be starving and hungry, would tear you apart as soon as you walked in. And the king could not sleep. He didn't want any music, he didn't want any food, nothing. He just, he just did not, he just, he just was thinking about Daniel. Then the king rose very early in the morning. Not just early, it says, but very early in the morning. And went in haste unto the den of lions. So maybe the part of the law was you couldn't, be, you couldn't open the seal, the, um, the, the den of uh, the, the rock, take away the rock until the morning. And he went very early in the morning. He just couldn't wait. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. What a testimony this king would call <clears throat> Daniel's God, the servant of the living God. Absolutely amazing. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? He just wanted to wait and hear Daniel's voice, didn't he? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. He is alive. My God, Daniel says, my God had sent his angel and had shut the lion's mouths. And by the way, there's only one angel they said here, not angels. One angel shut the lion's mouths. They're powerful beings. They shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, before God, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. He's absolutely right. Daniel has a great testimony. This man was a man of God that anybody could trust with. Even though he's not living in Israel anymore. He's not under the eyes of any Levitical priests or, uh, or anybody like that. He could get away with this in a foreign land. But Daniel is a man of God um, that serves God continually. And everybody knows that. And God has done a miracle. He protected him from these mighty, powerful <clears throat> Uh, beast of these lions then was the king exceeding glad um, for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God even though this would cost him his life or possibly would cost him life which it didn't in the end remember we looked at uh, God's definition of what a godly man is they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution godly people will be persecuted most of God's people in the western world are not being persecuted including me including you why this almost cost Daniel his life just like his three friends it could have cost him their lives when he would not bow down to the image he would not bow down like everybody else is bound down stop bowing down to the world Christians stop doing it and if you die you die like Esther said if I perish I perish you're going to die anyway. Why not die serving God and being a living sacrifice for him or even die as a martyr, which is a great honour, a martyr for God. That's what uh, God is looking for. Daniel was this kind of man, but he did not die. Now, there are people being killed today, um, Christians being killed today, I should say, in countries like North Korea, in China, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Eritrea, Muslim countries like that and Atheist countries like North Korea. They're being killed, they're being put in gulags, starved, tortured, but they will not deny their Lord. And why are they there? Because they serve their God continually. They're not private about it, they're public about it. There's no shame. They're not ashamed of the Lord. Um, I've heard of Christians in Afghanistan, which has been taken over by the Taliban. They will not leave Afghanistan, though they could. 
especially missionaries of power say won't do it. They want to die here if necessary because Afghanistanis need the gospel, including the Taliban. And you can be sure that these are godly people that God is blessing. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions had the mercy of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. You don't have to fight. Let God fight for you. You have enemies. If you're godly, you will have enemies, including carnal, worldly, trendy, politically correct Christians. A lot of times they're jealous because you're walking with God and they wish they had it, I think. And they want you to feel miserable with them. God will take care of your enemies. That's what happened here with these men. They were destroyed, including their families. God will fight for you. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nation and languages that dwell in all the earth. Here's what he said, Darius the king. Peace be multiplied unto you to all the 120 provinces. I make a decree and mandate. Can you imagine our lead politicians making this decree a mandate? It could happen. I make a decree or mandate, the king said, that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion, his rule, shall be even unto the end. Wow. What a testimony by a, a world's leader. A dictator, as Darius was. Over the immediate Persian Empire. It was the world. It was the world's leading empire at that time. What word he said. He made a law, um, a decree, that people tremble before the God of Daniel. And he, he finished off in this speech. He delivered and rescued it. And he worked signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Absolutely amazing. What a decree. What acknowledgement by a world dictator to say such a thing. What a testimony. What a man of God that Daniel was. God could do that today, folks. I believe that. That Michal Martin, Varadka, Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, or somebody like that, she, uh, the President Xi of China, could make such a decree that God could be so powerful through one of his men of God that a law, such a law, such a mandate would be made, which is the total opposite of what's happened today. We're in very dark times. It's getting darker and darker and darker. And it saddens me the church is so silent, especially the leaders. We're losing our freedom. There's, I mean, it's obvious. It's, it's, I mean, by the time I do another uh, podcast by next week, another man of God, Rever, there will be more mandates and there probably will be the mandate that unvaccinated people are, are illegal. I don't know, but it's getting like that. It's already happened in Germany and in Austria and quarantine camps in Australia. We need a man of, men of God raised up. Maybe you're one of them. But you must purpose in your heart you will not defile yourself in front of God while all other Christians are doing it, it seems. Like at least at least most of them are. There are some men of God out there and there are some women of God. And by the way, so many revivals. And I might have mentioned this before. There are women of God praying for God to raise up godly men. There are women of God praying. I wonder would you be one of them? Because I'm telling you, we need it. What's happening in our homes is that men are abdicating their position 
uh, either willingly or willingly uh, out of sin, willing sin, or just being uh, tempted and fallen to sin and be taken out of the battle. This is what's happening all the time. We need men of God. We don't need more podcasts of information or more teaching or preaching as such. Not that they're wrong as such, but this seems like Christians are obsessed with. We need revival. We need God's Spirit to be poured out. We need men of God like Daniel to be raised up who was willing to die for his God as his three friends were as well. Are you willing? Are you really willing to die for your Lord, for lost souls? Are you willing to be tortured? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to be mocked at by friends in school? Are you willing to be rejected even by other Christians because your love for God? That's the kind of man that Daniel was, a true man of God. Well, I hope this message was a blessing to you, as it is to me. I've been reading this story actually many times the last few days, um, not just for preparation for this podcast, but I just really want to get it. I want, I want to be a man of God like Daniel, just like Moses and Paul. These are the, my heroes. These are the heroes I want for my children, for my family, for the church. We need men of God like Daniel. We really do. And again, maybe you're one of them. So thanks for listening again. Do check out my other podcast that I have loaded there. There's about 14 or 15 at this stage, um, including about uh, COVID and the silent church. And I'm going to do a second part about that uh, this coming Friday, including a personal testimony involving this myself. So please uh, do look uh, listen to that as it comes out this Friday. Uh, God bless you and may God speak to you from this message. Amen.